listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. We're in a series right now called Good Song, Bad Theology. And it was really fun last week. We did, um, we did I'm going to miss her. Come on, y'all know it. When I get home, right? Ooh, some of y'all, some of y'all, y'all got a little too karaoke on me last week. Y'all was like really singing it. It's like, is that a natty light in your hand or a cup of coffee? Good Lord. Like, um, But I want to spend some time today talking to you uh, in the second installment of this about things that matter. Things that matter. Hey, let me ask you this. What really matters to you? What matters the most to you? Now, most people would say stuff like family is what matters. Happiness is what matters. Security is what matters. There's some things like that. And those are important things. They are, but, but are they the most important things? Now, here at Freedom Church, we talk a lot about this thing that I call the order. And there's, there's an order of your life, and here's how it goes. God, spouse, family, friends, everything else. Now, if you want to be sure to keep this list, if you go to Uversion to get the Bible app right now, Uversion, you can click on events, click Freedom Church, and you'll have all of these notes right here. I'm talking like word for word. Every little thing I'm going to say is right there. Uh, but this is the order. God, spouse, family, friends, and everything else. Now, people often interject career into that mix. And I have it into the everything else portion, though, but and that's for a reason. Um, and the reason is Genesis 2.18. Um, it's not good for man to be alone. That's what the Bible says. So, look, you can have every success in life, but if you have no one to live life with, you're going to be miserable. You can have everything. And we can all go, wow, you're rich, or wow, you're handsome, or wow, what a beautiful house. But you're so broken and empty inside, the attaboys just don't mean anything to you. When your life is out of order, what's produced is misery. So what does an out-of-order life look like? I I took some time and thought and prayed about this, and I did some Googling um, and just to see kind of like what's out there in the world. Because a lot of times, guys, listen, I'm not trying to recreate the wheel every single Sunday. If there's something out there that exists that I think is going to help you become a better, better your relationship with Jesus, I'm going to give you that thing. And I found something this week that I thought was really interesting. This lady named Paula Laws wrote 15 Habits of Highly Miserable People. So here they are. Number one. They're never thankful for anything. Now, let me, I, I have these, but let me also, in, in you version notes, you'll see this, but I also have given you the biblical counterpart to this uh, that verifies this. They're never thankful for anything. There's no gratitude in your life. Number two, they lead a very unadventurous life. Biblical counterpart, you have no vision. Number three, they live in and glorify the past. Biblical counterpart, you have no hope for the future. Number four, they do things for personal gain. Biblical counterpart, you have unhealthy ambition. Number five, they're afraid of economic loss. Well, this is simple. God's not your source. Number six, they love to pick fights. Biblical counterpart is they're quarrelsome. Number seven, they they blame others and play the victim. Biblical concept, you're an orphan. Number eight, they think people's intentions toward them are always dishonorable. Biblical counterpart, you just can't trust people. Number nine, they give themselves a negative identity and, re- and revel in it. Biblical counterpart, you are having identity issues. You're a son and a daughter of the living God. Yeah. Number 10, they get involved in others' drama. Oh, y'all just a gossip now. Did I tell you what Keisha said? No, you didn't because you're not a gossip. Number 11, they always expect the worst. Biblical counterpart, they're faithless. 
They focus only on themselves. Number 12, biblical counterpart, they're selfish. Number 13, they're critical of everything. Biblical counterpart is never good enough. Because that's where, that's where a critical spirit comes from. Let me tell you why. Because if I can tear them down, then it makes my not good enough feel better. Number 14, they worry too much. Biblical counterpart, unrenewed mind. 15, they are envious of other people's successes. Biblical counterpart, envy and covetousness. Don't say yes, don't raise your hand. But how many of those are you living right now? If you are, this is just indicative of one thing, you're out of order. And I don't mean out of order like when you pull up to the pump and, you know, come on, y'all, like the one pump at a 50-pump gas station is broke and you don't want pulled up in front of that one. Anybody? Is that just me or is that everybody else? Um, it's not out of order in that you're not operating. It's that you're just not operating at your maximum function potential. So you got to fix that. Well, how do you fix it? God. Spouse. I ain't married. Okay, God. Family. Come on. Fill in the gaps. Friends everything else. The order is solely based on one thing, and it's simply this. What do I need most to least to be who God created me to be? Hear me right now. I know you might want to put your career somewhere in there and close to the top, but you don't need your job to be who God created you to be. John the Baptist ate locusts and wore camel fur, and he did every single thing God told him to do. So what really matters to you? Do you ever think of that question in relation to how things affect who you really are? Um, Let me ask it like this. What are the things that are most important when it comes to your spirit? Because that's the real you. Why is this an important question? Well, you can spend your life fixing brokenness or you can spend your life pursuing God's purpose. You know, a few months back, we talked about something called sin loops. And uh, sin loops are these cycles that you get into where you sin and then you ask for forgiveness and then you sin again and you ask for forgiveness, etc. It, it puts you on this cycle where you're constantly having to fix a problem in your life. And listen, while God is faithful to forgive, he also has a better plan for our time and our energy than a sin loop. What he would rather do is he would rather use that time moving the kingdom forward and having us walk out purpose rather than constantly having to, to tread the path of forgiveness for that same thing over and over again. And honestly, if we really got down to it, you might be exercising I'm sorry, but you're not really exercising repentance because repentance is I'm sorry and I ain't doing it again. So the reason that what are the things that are the most important when it comes to your spirit, such an important question is because we all need to be able to focus on what is most important simply because we don't have unlimited time. You're going to die at some point. All right, y'all be blessed. Have a good week. (laughs) Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die. You know, between birth and death is a specific number of minutes that you have to accomplish God's purpose. These moments are snaps, they're they're flashes, they're they're mbops. Today's song is from 1997. It's an incredible song called Mbop by Hanson. Now, raise your hand if you've heard Mbop. I'm going to bust on Tony for just a minute because Tony's on staff and I can. He's not going to leave that easy because there's the, the money that's keeping him. But I'm, I'm kidding. It's just a joke. Let me assure you, based on what he's getting paid, it ain't the money that's keeping him. But 
oh, I'm just busting on him. But he goes, I've never heard this song my whole life. I'm like, I guess you never heard Jesus either, huh? I'm like, I mean, Apostle Paul? Okay, okay. You know what? That's fine. I understand. It came out when he was three. But you know, where the streets have no name came out when I was three, and I know it. I'm kidding. I love you, Tony. Come on, man. We just need to check your... Um, he listens, to, he listens to worship music. Praise God, son. I'm, pra- I'm praising God for your music choices. But you did know I'm going to miss her. So, uh, <laughs> so here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to play you some of Umbop by, uh, by Hanson. Oh, Jesus, here we go. Help us. Oh, yeah. Come on, y'all. Y'all get up and start dancing, right? No? Okay, good. Thank you. Y'all thought this was a happy song. This is about people leaving you. Okay, now listen, there are actually words to the chorus, but Hanson was raised in a Pentecostal church and they expected if you knew Jesus, then you'd be able to interpret what. Wow. <laughs> I was saying it's written in tongues. I'm kidding, guys. It's just a joke. Everybody calm. Wow, man, y'all just really got scared then, didn't you? I'm kidding. Okay, so y'all thought this was a. Y'all. <laughs> it's funny. It's we're all going to live. Um, some of y'all who really grown up like that are like, oh my goodness, dude, you really went there, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, y'all thought this was a happy song, didn't you? Because like, I mean, this guy was like, what, eight when he wrote this? The people leaving him was them going home because they didn't want to play basketball, so they took their ball probably. But this song, listen to these words. Hold on to the ones you really care. In the end, they'll be the only ones there. And when you get old and start losing your hair, can you tell me who'll care? What about this one? Plant a seed, plant a flower, plant a rose. You can plant any one of those. Keep planting to find out which one grows. It's a secret no one knows. Oh, no one knows. Wow. Like, I read this. It says, um, Zach Hansen, one of the guys there, he says, a lot of people ask what umbop means. Well, umbop as a word represents time. It represents the fact that time passes very quickly. And so in a story about reaching for what's important and kind of driving towards the impossible dream, Mbop is telling you, go now, go now, go now, because in a moment, in an mbop, life will be over and will have passed you by. Y'all ain't never going to hear that song again in the same way, are you? Some of y'all ain't going to ever hear that song again. <laughs> Some of y'all have ruined your perfect record of not listening to trash music on 
So here's my question for you today. Like, we can go a lot of different directions here. And, and honestly, um, one of the directions, like if we're going to pull the bad theology out of this song, this notion that nobody, that you're going to get old and nobody's going to care about you is a lie from the devil. Okay? Uh, remember, um, um, the grass is greener where you water it, not over somebody else's fence. And the only reason you like their grass is because they're doing what it takes to, to take care of it. Okay, you know why I started working on the grass in my front lawn before, of course, the drought and all that stuff is because Glenn next door, his lawn was prettier than mine. And 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 um, next door to me, Eric's grass was thicker and lusher than mine. So I said, hey, Eric, what are you doing to your grass? He says, I let it grow. I don't cut it short. Okay. Hey, Glenn, what are you doing? True green. Okay. True green. How much you got? <laughs> okay. No, no true green. I'll figure something else out. I'll water it. I wanted green grass. So you know what I did? I did what it took to grow the green grass. And if you want to get to the end of your life and have a hospital room or a bed surrounded by people who love you and care about you, invest in relationships. Invest in people. But we're going to take a different direction with the song. And I have three questions for you today in the time we have remaining. The first one is this. What has to change to accomplish God's purpose in your life? What has to change to accomplish God's purpose in your life. God always has a lane for you to run in, and Satan always has an obstacle to stop your progress. Now, self-awareness plays a huge role in avoiding these obstacles. Let me give you a pro hack. Pride is the greatest enemy of self-awareness. This notion that says, I don't need to change, is crazy. Even Socrates, well, if you listen to Bill and Ted, it's Socrates. But Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. What's the last time before you closed your eyes to go to bed at night, you just sat for a second and thought, how, if I had to rate my day today and my actions and my activities, am I getting closer to Jesus or am I getting further away? When's the last time have you just asked that simple question? Hey, Jason, how was your prayer life today? I think my worry life was stronger than my prayer life. Okay, tomorrow you're going to pray. The self-awareness. Your inability to see and address issues in your life is a guarantee of failure in it. You want a guarantee of failure in your life? Don't be self-aware. But self-awareness sometimes needs a third party. You know why it isn't good for you to be alone? Because you are incapable of seeing everything wrong in you. And a lot of times the things that we get frustrated about that people tell us is because they recognize something in us that we're not willing to see ourselves. And so anytime somebody comes to you and says, hey, you did this and I don't think you should have done that. Don't pick up your sword. Don't put on your battle gear. Go to the bathroom. Take a deep breath. Count back from 10 and ask yourself one question. Are they right? We, we spend too much time blowing up on people who are just trying to help us get better. And we need to be self-aware. We need to be self-aware. Um, your greatest your greatest obstacle might not be a noun that Satan puts in your path, like a person, place, or thing, but rather a thought that Satan capitalizes on that says, I just don't need to change. I'm reminded of this every time I see the cover of, of one of my books out there called Killing the Orphan Spirit. 37 years of living a mindset that I didn't know I had. But it took a third party who, uh, who loved me enough to help me see what I couldn't see. A third party willing to wade through the, the hell that the enemy was creating in my life to get to the heaven that he saw in there. 
And listen, if you don't have somebody right now that can look in you and look past the mess of your life and see the goodness inside of you and the greatness inside of you, get that person today. Like, do anything you can to find that person. You need somebody that all they do all day long is figuring out where your handles are so they can pull the greatness out of you. You have to have it. Every single person that we see that did anything great in the Bible always had somebody pulling the greatness out of them. You think about David. You know, when David sinned with Bathsheba, Nathan the prophet told him how the cow chews a corn. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Like to the point where David got angry because they told this little story about somebody stealing a sheep and oh, the other person's going to be put to death. And Nathan's like, bruv, it's you. So sometimes we don't think of that as somebody pulling a handle and pulling greatness out of us. But what Nathan did was willing to grab a handle that nobody else wanted to touch and to pull on that thing. And all of a sudden, Solomon came out of the repentance that happened from Nathan's willingness to say something. Like, follow the dots. Solomon wasn't produced from David and Bathsheba's sin, but after the sin was dealt with and taken care of, it was produced out of the faithfulness, and Jesus Christ came through that line. What if Nathan had never said a word, and what if David, instead of receiving it, would have said, you know what, you're going to get put to death now. I'm the king, I'm going to do what I want to do. No, he had some self-awareness in that moment and swallowed a little bit of pride so that God could see something beautiful come of it. And some of y'all right now, you got such mess in your world and you think nothing good's going to come of this. Swallow your pride, be self-aware, ask for repentance, and watch how God brings the promise out of the biggest mess. Maybe you haven't had somebody to help you. I told somebody this week, don't beat yourself up for not having the resources that you needed to get better. But now you have these resources. At Freedom, we're committed to it. I won't let you fail. But you have to let us help. The Holy Spirit will show you what needs to change if you let Him. Mark 10, 21. This is a story of the rich young ruler. And he said, hey, what I need to do to, like, to follow you, Jesus? And he said, do this, do this, and this. And he says, I've been doing this since I was young. And Jesus asked one question. Hey, sell everything you have and come follow me. Jesus said, looking at him and loved him, said, you lack one thing. Go and sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. And you know what happened in the story? He went away sad because he was so tied to his treasures that he couldn't see what God wanted him to see. He was, he was incapable of self-awareness in that moment. And I want to tell you something, that, that even if you have a third party, you got to be careful because you might not be self-aware even if a third party tells you what's up. You have to be pliable in the hands of the Holy Spirit so that he can create out of you what he wants to create out of you. Here's what I want you to do for a second. Close your eyes. Just close your eyes for a moment. Nobody's going to punch you, nothing like that. Just close your eyes. Now, here's what I want you to imagine. Jesus is sitting in a chair across from you right now. I want you to picture him. What's he look like? Does he, does he look like a... Scandinavian Jesus, that's funny, long hair, blonde hair, it's funny, but, but imagine Jesus, what's he look like right now, like, like focus on his features, now you're having a moment just like with the rich young ruler, you just ask what you need to effectively follow him, and he responds with something that is keeping you from accomplishing your purpose, what is it? Now everybody open your eyes. I want you to say mbop. In the time it took you to say that word, another second passed. The average lifespan of the U.S. is 77.23 years. 
or 2,438,721,250 seconds. Now that seems like a lot. But what if I told you that in a 24-hour day there are 1,440 minutes and there are 86,400 seconds? Every day you burn almost 100,000 seconds. I want to show you a quick video. This guy is um, hes a guy named Yoel, and he's a Cuban refugee that now lives in the States. And I've been following on TikTok. It's, I mean, he goes into malls and into Walmart and flabbergasted. Like, y'all have fruit, y'all have meat. Like, this is insane. Um, and this is a video of him. He just got his first paycheck from his first job. And so, um, if you'll show that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god! Mentira! ¿Cuánto gana yo aquí? ¡Sí! Look at the taxes. Pero prefiero esto que no Fidel Castro. Fidel Castro me quitaba más. El comunismo me quitaba más. ¿Tú sabes qué? Este es mi primer cheque por hora. Que tú sientes que cada hora de trabajo vale. Que cada hora de trabajo tiene una importancia en tu vida y que, y que se lucha, que sabes que puedes luchar por algo. Es un sentimiento que no, sé, no es comparable con nada. Porque nunca lo tuve en mi país. En Cuba no lo hay. Y aquí lo tengo la prueba. Come on, man. Is that beautiful? He says, every hour of my life counts are you living like that i mean i get frustrated when i have to wait at a light and there's nobody else around it's like you're killing me universe you're killing me i'm wasting time here you know here's here's what you've got to do is you've got to say look i'm talking to myself too because this is hard y'all this is hard but i've got to stop thinking of my time as being wasted and start actually using time that I've been perceiving as wasted. So I know, I know times we've heard, well, the red light kept you from the wreck that was happening that, you know, God was protecting you. Okay, that's fine. That might be it. But what if the red light when nobody else is there is an invitation for God from God for you to just stop for a moment and just recognize him in the midst of everything going on in your crazy life? What if God interjects these breaks that you've been seeing as time wasters and they're really opportunities for you to use the time. Every hour, time is ticking. Dealing with issues is worth it simply because time is ticking. So let me ask you this. Is God's purpose worth you dealing with what needs to change? So what has to change for you to accomplish God's purpose in your life? The second question is this. How long are you going to wait to do what God told you? How long are you going to wait to do what God told you to do? Ecclesiastes 11, 4 through 6 says this, He who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. If you're waiting on the perfect moment, you might waste your whole entire life waiting. You'll never be perfect enough. You're never going to have enough money. You'll never be at peace enough. You're never going to be happy enough. You're never, you're never going to, there's never going to be a perfect time. There's a story of Jesus at the wedding at Cana. <coughs> and in John 2 and 4, right before that, Jesus' mom said, hey, they ran out of wine. Like, do something. 
It's like there's literally somebody out there right now that wrote a version of the New Testament where Jesus and Mary had a catering company. Like, I'm not even kidding. That's really, that is a version of the Bible out there. You got to be careful what you're reading, you know what I'm saying? Because that's kind of, that's kind of crazy, you know what I'm saying? Um, but Jesus says to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, I always took that as like, that's your mom, bro, like woman. Like, I imagine if, if I looked at Gigi and said, woman, tell them about Friendsgiving. Like, my dad would be, hey, boy, let's tell you what, you might be four to three years old, but I'm going to whoop your country butt, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's probably what my dad would say. But, but I, I've been watching The Chosen. Anybody ever been watching The Chosen? Anybody? Oh, my gosh. If you haven't, you got to do it. I've been so afraid to watch it because I didn't want to be like, and Jesus spake unto the crowd saying, like, I didn't want that mess. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want no, like, high English Lord manner Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I wanted, and it, it's so good, y'all. Here's what it's done the most for me is it has, it has given, it, it, is, it has wrapped the whole story of Jesus in a human, like, bundle like a human package and so I don't just see him as just like woman what's that got to do with me I see the personality behind it and the humanity behind it it's really and listen it's they're filling in the gaps here but it's really helped me and and I really encourage you to to watch it but this very scene happened on one of the episodes and I've always seen it as you said woman you know but in the in the in the show Jesus looks at her and says Ema which is what he calls mom my time has not yet come And Mary takes her hands and she cradles Jesus' face and she looks at him and says, if not now, then when? And it's like all of a sudden the humanity of it came together. And and let me just ask you guys, when it comes to what God's asked you to do, if not now, when? When? Time's ticking. Mbop, mbop, mbop. That's three. And listen, I understand there are seasons. God wanted me to wait until I was 40 to plant Freedom Church. And let me just lovingly tell you that had I been better in the years between 18 and 40, this church may have been planted 10 years sooner. Now, this is encouragement to know that God will take your mess and create something beautiful out of it because when I look around Freedom Church, I'm like, thank you, God for the beauty that you created out of it. Thank you that you worked some stuff out of me and worked some stuff into me. But had I been on my game a little bit more intense when I was younger, I might have gotten to that place sooner. Now, at the end of the day, everything happens in God's time. There are seasons, okay? Typically planting in the spring and harvesting in the fall. There are seasons. So I'm not trying to negate the the, uh, thought process of seasons, but planting is not the only work that has to be done to reap the harvest, Ask any farmer. You know, I'm, I'm three and a half weeks right now into some seedlings at my house. Um, I won't actually plant them into the ground for several more weeks, but I had a lot of prep work to do and, or, and maintenance to do in order to get to the stage I'm at right now. Yeah. I'm just thinking about some broccolis and some, some strawberries and blueberries. I wasn't expecting all this. The reasons you aren't doing what God told you to do, you haven't done the prep work. You're afraid to fail. You think you aren't good enough. You don't know where to start. But let me give you some reasons to do what God told you to do. If he told you to do it, he'll tell you when. If he told you to do it, he believes you can do it. If he told you to do it, he has a plan for you, for it, and the problems that you're going to face already. Do I think for one second that the fire at Boot Barn threw God off? 
Or was God trying to strengthen our core for what's coming? If he told you to do it, he knows where to start. So I just want to encourage you today that you need to be careful that you trust God for everything from seed to harvest, not just for the word about the final product. Because the word about the final product is exciting. But trusting him from everything from seed to harvest is difficult. Mark 10, 22-23, says this, uh, And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? This is the continuation of the rich young ruler. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. What if the only thing keeping you from accomplishing your purpose is you stop trusting in the possible and start believing God for the impossible? Like, honestly, like, I, I really want us to get to a place where we are not just crazy, fanatical, crazy, like devil behind every bush kind of thing. But we also have to understand that we serve a very, very powerful God. The same God that said, let there be light, knows your situation. And if you will chill out and get your hands off of trying to fix it and allow the impossible to work through you, then God can actually do some impossible stuff. Well, how does that look like? What am I supposed to do? I don't know. You have to let God speak to you. But if you're going to hear his voice, the sheep has got to know the voice of the shepherd. And the only way you're going to know his voice is spending time with him. That's why we're always preaching. Read the Bible and pray and get around other people that can encourage you. Why? Well, because that's what the preacher's supposed to do. No, it's because there's a voice that's got to cut through every voice in your life. And it's Jesus Christ. We're over here wondering how we're going to. Fix what is possible when God is trying to get you to a place of faith and dependence on him so the impossible can begin to happen in your life. Miracles always happen for everybody else and not for me. It could be that they're believing God for the impossible and you're not. We're talking about you using every moment to see your purpose realized. If God told you to do it, he will not only provide in the arena of the possible, but he will work miraculous power in your life to accomplish the very thing that you think is impossible. That's the God we serve. What has to change to accomplish God's purpose in your life? How long are you going to wait until God, to do what God told you to do? And here's the last one. Do you really believe God has a plan for you? Do you really believe it? This speaks less about your faith. This speaks less about your faith in the plan and more about your faith in the planner. Does God really care about you that much? Does he? Does God care about you? The easy church answer is yes. But, but when you're lying in your bed on a Thursday night at 10 o'clock in the depths of despair and brokenness, come on, in those moments where all we want to do is walk outside and look into the sky and say, what are you doing? When you're at the end of your rope and you seriously don't know what else to do. Do you really think he cares? Come on, let's stop being churchy for just a second and be real. We go through these moments where we really don't know if God cares about us or not. <clears throat> so what do we do in those moments? We have to engage in the things that we know are going to help answer those questions. And for me, it's the word of God. So let me give you some verses. Luke 12, 7. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. 
Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames shall not consume you. Yeah, but I'm feeling the pain right now, Jesus. How can, how can I walk through the fire and not be consumed? Listen, I don't know exactly how God is going to fix every single situation you have in your life. But I do know this. I would much rather walk through fire with Jesus than to do it without Him. Psalm 34, 17 and 18. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Come on, if you're brokenhearted in here, God is near to you. He saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 139, 17 and 18. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, them they are more than the sand. There's this phrase in Ephesians chapter 2 about workmanship. It's, 2.10, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Um, poema is that word, workmanship, and it's where we get the word poem. Um, it's something made. It's the creative product out of the heart of the artist. There's only one other time in the Bible that it's used, and it's in Romans, uh, in, in the New Testament it's used, it's Romans 1.20. Since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen, being understood through what has been made. That's poema, so that they are without excuse. I read this from one, one biblical scholar. He said, in my, in my understanding, God has only ever written two poems. One is when he created the universe, and the other is when he created you. This is what Jesus tells us in Matthew five sixteen: Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You see, Jesus just wants His dad's workmanship to shine through you. So, while the talk about workmanship, here's why, it's because no one takes this much time and effort on something that's worthless. God doesn't either. God put thought and care and concern and time into you. He crafted you. He intricately worked you into existence. He knit you together. And He is the one who established your personality. Yeah, you weirdos too. Like, come on, I do some weird things too. And I think, man, my personality, I'm the only one that thinks like this. There's somebody else out there. And it's just a little neat twist that God put on who you are to create you uniquely and beautifully. He's been creative with you. Some of you are like, finally, an answer on why I am like I am. His fingerprints are all over you. If he went to all that trouble to craft you, don't you think he has a plan for you? If he has a plan for you, it means he has an idea about you. And I'm convinced that he doesn't need any input on how he feels about my value. God doesn't need my help in him determining my value. He determines it. He just wants me to believe what he thinks about me. God's plan for you wasn't established based on how you feel about yourself or whether or not you deserve a good plan. But it can be hindered about how, by how you feel about yourself and whether or not you deserve a good plan. So God has a plan for you in spite of what you believe about yourself. And so how about you stop believing what you think and you start believing what he thinks? Why am I, why am I bringing all of this up? about the plan and stuff like that it's because number one the god that that loves you and created you has a plan for you and number two he wants you to accomplish it but number three 
there are plenty of reasons in your life right now why you're not stepping into that. I wanted to address some things, but I also wanted to address this notion that maybe you don't believe he has a plan for you. Maybe you don't believe he has a plan for your pain. Maybe you don't believe that he has a plan for your craziness. Maybe you believe that he doesn't have a plan for how he specifically made you. Maybe you're in your 30s and you're not married yet. And you're like, what are you doing, bro? Like, I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, listen to me. God has a plan. And you need to stop believing what you think about that plan and start believing what he thinks about that plan. Everybody say, mbop. It's a second. And then the second in this moment right here, you need to make a decision today. You need to make a decision. Are you going to waste the time you've been given? Or are you going to trust God in his plan? It's a decision. What are you going to do? Plant a seed, plant a flower, plant a rose. You can plant any one of those. Keep planting to find out which one grows. It's a secret no one knows. Uh-oh. No one knows. You know what? God knows. How about you trust him? Can we do that today? Will you pray with me for a moment? Father, I thank you so much for today. God, I look across this room and I see miracle after miracle after miracle. Some miracles that have happened this very week. And God, I thank you for it. Thank you so much for it. But God, I also realize that you have called us to do something beautiful for your kingdom. And, and I know a lot of times we think if I'm not in some type of pastoral ministry, I'm not doing anything for the kingdom. That's just so far from the truth, God, and we know that. We know that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us and our specific sphere of influences to change people's lives forever. You want to use us as a conduit for blessing in people's lives around us. And so, God, first we take a moment right now and we recognize that not everybody in this room may have said yes to Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe the, the first step into God's plan is to realize that He loves you and He died on the cross for your sins and He wants you to give everything to Him. So if you're here in this moment right now and you need to make Jesus Lord of your life, you need to stop playing with all this worldly stuff and get your life back with Jesus like it needs to be. This is your moment right now. This is your second. This is your umbop. This is your moment right now. And it's not difficult. You don't have to run around the altar. You don't have to come up here and cry your face off. It's as simple as saying this. Jesus, right now, I confess you as Lord. I believe you died and rose again. Save me. If you mean that, God means it. And you need to tell somebody if you made that decision today. But some of you in here today, you you feel like you've been stuck, you've been idle, you've not been moving forward, you feel like your relationship with God hasn't been growing and developing. I'm asking you today to take some time and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what's keeping you from doing what God called you to do. What's blocking the road? Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd speak to your people. God, I also pray in this moment that you would put a face in their mind right now, a person that they could link up with this week and talk through this. God, that that objective third party that, that can help them see what they can't see. I'm asking you to do that today, Jesus. We praise you, God. Come on, church, just let's finish this up by just honoring him and praising him. God, we thank you and we bless you. You're so good. Thank you that you have a plan. Thank you that you have, you have a thought for every second of our lives. God, I ask you in the name of Jesus to help me, to help us 
live the lives you've called us to live, to accomplish the things you want us to accomplish. We praise you for it. God, I thank you for every second of my life to this moment. And God, I commit to honoring you for every second more that you give me. We praise you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.